So just close your eyes for a moment and imagine the warmest day that you've ever known. But you're not hot. Imagine the greenest grass you've ever seen. Imagine the most lush trees you've ever known. And imagine walking with the best friend that you've ever had. Now I can envision that. I can see it very clearly in my mind right now. But it's still empty. There's still something missing from that. It isn't that the grass isn't green enough or it's not a warm, wondrous day or that I'm even with my best friend. Those are great things. But there's something missing. Without God in our lives, the creator of everything, the one that knew how your life was going to pan out even before you were born, even before he created everything, he knew you. Now, to me, that gives me a, a warm feeling inside, knowing that he cared so much about me that he wants to know me. He wants to walk with me every day of my life. He wants to talk to me. How many times have you called somebody up and you start telling them your story, whatever's happening in your life, and they just seem, well, completely disinterested in what you have to say. I've had that a lot. And even at times people telling me their story. And, well, quite frankly, it isn't very interesting to me. Well, God isn't like that. The God of the universe, Yahweh, Jesus, Yeshua, he goes by a lot of different names, but it's the same one and only God. He walks with us as Christians. When we give our lives to him, he literally walks next to us as a friend, as a confidant, as a teacher. He does these things for us because he loves us. He didn't create you to run away from him. 
He created you for fellowship with him. I mean, think about it for a minute. So we've all seen mama and daddy bird up in the nest and baby bird, tweet, tweet, tweet. And then one day, (laughs) that little baby bird gets so big, they knock him out of the nest. He's too big. It's time for him to live his life, but he can't fly either. So he hits the ground and he's defenseless at this point. So we go over, we pick him up, dust him off a little bit. We look at him and he just stares at you. And then as you're taking care of him in his I don't know. It'd be nice to know what he was thinking at this point, but he he wants to go. He wants to fight. He's struggling, and he bites down on your finger. But it doesn't hurt. He's not strong enough. But he's struggling against the one that wants to help him. But he has no idea what's happening. He doesn't Understand that you're there to help him, that you're there to nurture him for the next two or three days until he gets the ability and strengthen his wings to fly. And after you put him inside of a cage to keep him safe and you give him food and water and little pieces of baloney or whatever, after a couple, three days, he's strong enough And you open up that door, and he won't go. He just sits in there. He has no idea that you're letting him free. And then one of the most freeing things that we can do, we we pick him up and put him in our hand, and we just hold our hand out. Say, go on, fly, fly away. He just simply looks around and doesn't know what's going on. But finally, he flaps his wings and he flies off up into the tree. He sits down in the tree and looks back. He's got to be wondering, what was this guy doing? Why did he help me? Why did he want to help me? That answer's easy. We wanted to help him because he needed the help. And in a sense, we loved him enough to take time out of our day to help him. And we're a lot like that with God. When we're born... We're born with this embedded knowledge that the God of the universe exists. You've seen children. I mean, you ask a child about God and he'll point up or in his chest, which are both right answers. He exists. He surrounds us every day. But then as we grow older and this world begins to corrupt us because we do live in a fallen world. 
Adam and Eve is not just a story. It really happened. I mean, I'm just going to assume for a moment that we all believe that the Bible is real and true. And the Bible is not just a compilation of a bunch of stories that were made up by men. Because the Bible has proven itself to be true over and over and over again. If we will just simply break free of the lies of the world that want to keep you from God. Because the God of this world, the little g God, is Satan. He's real. And he's not some guy that is running around with a, a well, with red underwear and a pitchfork. He's somebody that you wouldn't even recognize as Satan. And he wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you away from God. Because he knows that he's already lost the war. But he can pick his battles. And he can win these little battles with you. And if he keeps you from understanding and knowing the truth about who you are, why you were created, and what you're supposed to do with your life, then he's won you. And Satan... Lucifer, the most beautiful angel in heaven. He was the worship leader in heaven. But why is he so bad? Because he said, I want to be God. See, he wasn't just content with being the worship leader in heaven and glorifying God. He wanted to be God. He wanted to kick Yahweh God out of his spot and take it for himself. And that is called pride. And we've all heard pride cometh before a fall. Sure. Well, it does. When we think of ourselves first and we think we're the only ones and we think that we can always do it best, well, at some point in time, we're going to fall because of that thought. And Lucifer used this in the Garden of Eden with our mom and dad, Adam and Eve. So Adam's out. He's doing whatever Adam does, right? He's getting the, the wood for the fire. He's getting the animals. He's getting whatever it is. He's picking berries. He's not there. And Eve is there. And here comes Lucifer as a snake. Now, as a serpent, it says, I can't imagine how this would be because he comes up and he starts talking to her. So maybe the serpent was standing, maybe he was on his belly, but 
This was not abnormal for Adam and Eve to apparently talk to the animals. I mean, this was paradise. So anything could be happening here. But here comes Lucifer, and he says, So, Eve, did God really say to not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden? And Eve kind of looks at him and says, well, no. No, he he said that we're not to touch the tree. We're not even to look at the tree. Now, that that was a, a little overboard with Eve because she didn't say, he, he, God did not say, look. He said, you are not to eat of the tree. Didn't say touch, didn't say look, eat of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. So, Lucifer's beginning to put doubt in her mind that what God said, I mean, the creator of all things, and Adam and Eve knew this, they walked with him every day in the midst of the garden in the cool of the day. They would walk with him and talk with him. <laughs> I can't even imagine how incredible that would be. But I will get to find out soon, as you will also, if you go the right direction, if you make the choice. But so here's Eve. Here's Lucifer. And he says, if you eat of that fruit, you will be as God knowing the truth between good and evil. And Eve says, you know what? That sounds pretty good. I'm going to do that. And she took a bite. Now, some time passed here, because here comes Adam back. And Adam's noticing something. Eve, you look different than you did when I left. You don't look the same. But she comes up and goes, hey, hey, you know, the, the serpent said this, this fruit's great. Man, it tasted great. Here, try some. Now, right here and there, Adam had a choice to make. He had a choice whether to follow God, Yahweh, the one that he knew had created him, the one that had told him specifically, do not eat that fruit. Or to follow his wife, Eve. Now, of course, we all know the story. The world knows this story. Adam ate the fruit. And he fell. He transgressed. Eve sinned. Adam transgressed. Transgression's worse because you know that you're not supposed to do it, but you do it anyway. And God, well, <laughs> he knew it was coming. He knew they would do this. And I've heard some people say, well, if God knew that we were going to sin and that we were going to fall as human beings, why did he create us like this? Well, think about it for a minute. So, if we create a robot, because 
without a choice or anything like that, a programmed person as a robot. And we program that robot to love us because we created it. And that robot comes up and says, I love you. How much meaning does that have? None. But if you create a being that can feel and can make choices and chooses to love you and comes to you and says, I love you. Well, that's different because you've now made a choice to love God. You've made a conscious decision in your head to love God. And that's a good way to go. And when we don't, when we choose to go our own way, when we decide, oh, I don't believe in God, or, oh, that's fairy tales, that that whole Adam and Eve business. The Bible is just a bunch of baloney. When we do that, we've made another choice. We've made a choice to go down a different road. And that road does not lead to heaven. But we don't need Satan involved in our lives at all in order for us to sin. In the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23, it says, All have fallen short and sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So, we as human beings, we think thoughts we shouldn't think. We do things we shouldn't do. We go places where we shouldn't go. We take things that we shouldn't take. And Jesus said while he walked on the earth, he said, even if you think about another woman or another man or taking something that's not yours or going somewhere you shouldn't go, you've already done it. And that is a sin. Now, in the Old Testament, sin was covered by killing an innocent animal, a lamb or turtle dove, placing it on the altar, sprinkling its blood, and then burning the sin offering for a sweet aroma to God. And that would cover your sin. It wouldn't remove your sin. You still had it. Your sin nature was still there. I can't imagine how many times, I mean, if we're truly going to be what we're supposed to be, you'd spend more time at the altar burning a, a, your innocent lamb than you would living your life. Because even the good are not good. There is no good except one, that's God. Jesus said that. And Jesus ran across a, a rich young ruler. And that rich young ruler came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, 
I've done all these things. I've been, I've followed the Ten Commandments. I've loved God first. I've loved my mother and father. I've never stolen. I've never murdered. And he goes through this list. And Jesus said, that's great. And the ruler says, but I still feel something is, is missing. It's lacking. I'm missing something. And Jesus says, well, go give all your riches to the poor and come and follow me. And that rich young ruler looked at Jesus with a very distraught face and turned and went home, sad, because he couldn't give up the riches. And even though he had lived a perfect life around the Ten Commandments, there was one commandment that he just couldn't go by. And that was to love your God first. Yahweh. He loved money first. And he couldn't follow Jesus. And Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Pride. Pride. I want what I want, first and foremost, and now. It's not that a rich person can't make it to heaven. It's that it's difficult, once you have that money, to not think of it first and to follow it first instead of Jesus. Jesus came to not just cover our sins, but to wipe them out. When we give our life to Jesus... And when we kneel at the cross of Christ and we give our lives to him, it doesn't mean we become some, <laughs> some weirdo walking around, you know, Jesus is, Jesus that. No, it's not what he wants. He wants us to live a life that chases after him that chases after the perfection of him, because we will never be perfect here. But as we follow him, we become more perfect. Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived 33 and a third years on this earth, never having sinned, never having a bad thought, never stealing, never taking anything that wasn't his. He lived that perfect life and he was crucified on a cross by the very people that he came to save. 
But that crucifixion saves us all. If we believe in that. And not just believe that Jesus lived. Yes, he did. Because there is history upon history that says Jesus lived and died. Roman history itself states it. Rome was very particular about Jesus. It, historically, in the record books, has Jesus, his whole life, in it. So there's no question that Jesus actually lived. The question is, is Jesus actually God? Because the Bible does tell us that the Savior will come, Messiah, Mashiach. Messiah will come. And there was a whole list of things that were to come before Jesus came, the Messiah. And all of those were prophesied in the Old Testament. And all of those prophecies were fulfilled. Jesus was born in Nazareth. He was named Yahshua which the Bible also prophesied. And there's so many other prophecies. There's there's a hundred plus prophecies that were fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. So if we can get past that point, honestly, if we can get past in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, man, we got something to go with then. And it's all downhill from there. If we can just get over that God created everything. And that God had a plan even before the earth was created. He had a plan. And that plan is still in place. And that plan is still occurring. And part of that plan is that we have a choice to make. We either choose to love God or we choose to love this world. We choose to love money. We choose to love a lover, we choose to love whatever, a car, a plane, our own life, more than God. All God wants is our love. That's all he created us for, is our love. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, of course, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish and will have eternal life. What power in that. What meaning for a life We all walk around with this, what am I supposed to do with my life? Am I supposed to become a a pilot or a salesman or whatever? Well, yeah, those things are important. But the most important is, what am I supposed to do with my life? Why was I created? I was created to worship the one and only God with my life. It's such a hard thing to do. It's the easiest and most 
nourishing thing that once you do make that choice, your life will change. Because the Holy Spirit will come live inside of you. And you'll know it because he'll speak to you. Not necessarily in this, Scott, don't go that direction. But he will speak and you will know, don't go in that direction. And he'll do everything he can to keep you from going there. Love is a choice. Love is a conscious choice. And we make these conscious choices every single day. We make a conscious choice to get up in the morning, to get our shoes on, to brush our teeth, to take a shower, to eat. These are all conscious choices. And love is a conscious choice. And when we make that choice to love God, well, his love will settle upon us. But most of all, when we, when we decide that we're going to love Jesus, Jesus is God. And that we believe that he died on the cross for my sin alone. Only my sin. Only your sin. Your sins and my sins alone put him on the cross. He died on that cross. He was buried. And three days later... He was risen. He walked upon the earth again as the risen Savior. He talked to hundreds of people that saw Jesus after he had died and after he had risen. And then he ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus now waits for the Father to tell him, okay, go pick up your church. Go get your bride. And we wait for him right now. But when we make that choice, we change our destination. We punch a different ticket. Instead of going to hell, because we don't, we do choose. We choose to go to hell. We choose to go to hell or we choose to go to heaven. There is no in-between, and both are absolutely real. So as we go further into what's love got to do with it, we're going to find out what love does have to do with it. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, we, we love you. Jesus Come into our lives boldly. Let us know that you're alive. Let us know that you love us.
Father God, help us to know you more. Help us to hear you, to open our hearts and hear you speak to us. Father, you're always speaking. Let us never forget that. And let us always hear your voice. In the awesome name of Jesus, Mashiach, our Savior, we pray. Amen.